Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Taryn Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I'm here with my girlfriend Jessica. Hello. Hello. And today, as you guys can see by the title, we are going to be discussing some true crime headlines that are happening right now. But before we get into that, if you are new here, hello, welcome, and returning speakers, welcome back. Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to hang out with us on social media, you can go to Facebook, Instagram, and we also have our amazing Facebook group that is Three Spooked Girls Official. And if you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls for as little as a dollar you get one bonus episode a month five and up starts our video content and also ad free episodes and those typically are up the day before release on the main feed definitely check that out in the link tree as well but with that i'm gonna go ahead and just get on into this okay so there's this i'm not gonna get into this today guys but there's this cult that's definitely coming up on my radar and y'all if you are interested let us know But there's this thing called the Modern Mystery School, and it's advanced spiritual training. And it's out of Austin. And there's just a lot of stuff. Like, there's a big Vice article, which might sound familiar, because that happened with fucking Twin Flames Universe, about, like, sexual assault and other, Mm. oh, and financial exploitation. Because, of course, it's one of those cults where it's like, you gotta pay this, take this, da-da-da-da-da. But the reason why it started coming up a lot is because celebrities are kind of, it's kind of like how Scientology is, and celebrities are kind of like in the same orbit as it. This is like a big thing. So they have places in Toronto, in Tokyo as well. And they, straight from their website, it says, they are ready to support you as you delve into the profound process of self-discovery. We are dedicated to take your spiritual progression and the fulfillment of your life's purpose. Through the enlightenment of you as an individual, we are creating a wave of change for the betterment of humanity and all beings on the planet. And just looking at the picture, like the founder, he looks like a cult leader. So uh, just saying, but it's a whole thing. Y'all look it up and tell us if you want us to do an episode on that. I just had to do an honorable mention of that. It does seem a little bit more reasonably priced. Oh, yeah. Yeah, isn't one like 20 bucks or something? Yeah, there's like, ooh, there's a Wicca one. Yeah, let's not though, Jessica. People think it's a cult. We're not doing this. Okay. (laughs) Ooh, it's $40 for three hours. No, we're not doing that. I know, I'm just saying. So moving along before Jessica joins this cult, (laughs) we are going to talk a little bit. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. We mentioned our cult. We'll do that one instead. So I uh, have a People article of 
the timeline, you guys might know or have heard that Sean Diddy Combs has been in a lot of legal trouble lately because, um, abusive piece of shit. Let's just go there. So what caused this to start was the fact that Cassie, that singer that was like really popular in like the early 2000s, Mm -hmm. she filed a lawsuit in November alleging that he had raped and sex trafficked her for over 10 years. Wow. The court documents are like 37 pages long. I read through all of it and it is fucking horrible. Basically, like he would do all kinds of things like from domestic violence to rape to basically like he had a thing where he wanted to watch her have activities with other men. In her uh, filing, it was said that this was a decade-long cycle of abuse, violence, and sex trafficking. And it also cited a 2018 rape when she tried to leave him. But they, a day later, settled out under, quote, mutual satisfaction. So, aka, he fucking paid her so they did not have to go to trial because there's a lot of evidence against him on this. And then, interesting enough, he spoke out about this on Instagram, and he said on his stories, enough is enough. For the last couple of weeks, I have sat silently and watched people try to assassinate my character, destroy my reputation, and my legacy. Sickening allegations have been made against me by individuals looking for a quick payday. And, um, no, that's not what's fucking happening. You're fucking trash, dude. I mean, he's gonna be in hot water for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So here's the thing with New York. They did this like, I can't even remember what it was. But basically, they were like, if you've been a victim of this, these kind of crimes within the last like X amount of time or whatever, like you have until this date to do your filings Mm -hmm. type of thing. And that's why Cassie came out with it. That's why these other women have came out with it. Like, boom, boom, boom. Because people were like, what the fuck? Why is this being like so one right after the other? But that would be why. So hers first, right? They settled on the lawsuit on November 17th. And she made a statement being like, we decided to resolve this matter and Amicably, or no, he said this. He said, we have decided to resolve this matter amicably. I wish Cassie and her family all the best. Yeah, okay. And then on the 23rd, so we got like, I don't even know how long that was, like the next week or so. There was another lawsuit accusing him of sexual assault filed in the Manhattan Supreme Court. So according to those documents, a woman named Joy Dickerson Neal accused Diddy of drugging and raping her while she was a college student at Syracuse University in 1991. Attorneys for her claimed that she was a victim of revenge porn after the music mogul allegedly recorded the incident and shared the tape with others in the music industry. At the time of the filing, which, oh, here we go. Here's, I can kind of explain it better. It was the New York State Adult Survivors Act. And if you go to like the New York government website, whatever, it says this is to empower survivors of sexual offenses that occurred when they were over the age of 18 to file regardless of when abuse occurred. Because we know there's always these fucking like stupid... What is that called? Statue of Limitations. Yes. Yeah, that. So basically, they were just like, nope, we're going to have this so people could get justice. And of course, he's denying this as well, saying that this was a, quote, last minute lawsuit is an example of how a well-intentioned law can be turned on its head. Miss Dickerson's 32-year-old story is made up and not credible. Mr. Combs never assaulted her and she implicates companies that did not exist. This is purely a money grab and nothing more, end quote. And then we got a third lawsuit that came out because of this. So Mm. on November 23rd, the same day, he was accused of sexual assault by a third victim, according to another lawsuit. And this one was filed with the New York County Supreme Court. In the lawsuit obtained by People, a Jane Doe alleged that Diddy and singer-songwriter Aaron Hall took turns raping her and her friend in New York City more than 30 years ago. 
And again, they said the same fucking thing. The attorney said, quote, these are fabricated claims falsely alleging misconduct from over 30 years ago and filed at the last minute. This is nothing but a money grab. Because of Mr. Combs' fame and success, he's an easy target for anonymous accusers who lie without conscience or consequence for financial benefit. The spokesperson also added, oh, not lawyer, spokesperson, excuse me, added, the New York legislator surely did not intend or expect the Adults Survivors Act to be exploited by scammers. The public should be skeptical and not rush to accept these bogus allegations. And people did try to contact Hall for comment, but they couldn't get a hold of him. Right. And it's like, okay, so if you guys go down the rabbit hole of this whole thing with Cassie, like there's other celebrities who have said for a long time that Diddy is not a good fucking person. And there's one example. And like some people might be like, well, I don't know if this is abuse, but like I'm going to be like, yeah, it fucking still is. She literally was like so trapped with him that like there was this guy who said like there was one time they were in the club and he just randomly said to Cassie, like he had went up to a bar and he saw this like super attractive woman who had like had her when it was like back when like, you know, the half shaved thing was like really trendy and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he told her, you need to do that. It would look good. You need to do that. And so she said, okay. And so she did it. And that person was like, I thought that was kind of weird, but I was like, you know, it's not really my business, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Then on December 6th, so just a few days ago in our time, Diddy is accused of sex trafficking and gang rape by a fourth victim. In this lawsuit filed in New York, a woman who also went by Jane Doe accused Diddy of sex trafficking and gang rape when she was 17 years old. This Jane Doe claimed that she had been approached at a lounge in Michigan and they convinced her to take a private jet with him and third assailant to Combs recording studio in New York City. Once she arrived, she alleges that she was given drugs and alcohol before being viciously gang raped. Oh, Harvey Pierre was there and no comment either. So then that statement I read earlier, that is when he put that out. Here's the thing. Here's my thought with this. Like you guys have a lot of information for the Cassie part. I know I kind of like glazed over it, but it's really horrific and it's really triggering. So please don't read it if that kind of stuff triggers you. Please do not because it is really, really bad. And I am very, very happy that Cassie was able to get away from him and that I read her husband now, her partner now was very supportive with her through this process to have the courage to fucking file this because they can claim all day long that, you know, these are scammers. They're just trying to get it in the last minute, blah, blah, blah. But like, this is a very powerful person. And we have learned in our society, people with a lot of fucking money get away with really, really bad things. It's true. So I think that Cassie kind of like opened the door for them to have the courage to do it. And you know what? Fucking good on her and good on them. The fact that like Diddy settled out of court. Because he wanted Cassie to shut the fuck up because he knew she had fucking stuff to say. Right. And her the police report, I'm telling you, it was so detailed like mm. no, no no the fact that she did that like the fact that she did that and then these other women are coming it almost is like because he did it he settled out of court it's an omission of guilt mm-hmm. and he is like okay i i did this but i don't want people to know because if you're innocent you don't settle out of court no you go to court and you fucking get your your shit on record like look at the whole johnny depp amber heard shit like he went there there were bad things like Johnny wasn't perfect, but he wasn't, like, crazy. And he went there and he told his side of the story. And Diddy couldn't. 
And I mean, I just think that Diddy's going to have a real hard time in the, in the near future because mm-hmm. he's also like under investigation for the... For three more. The murder of Tupac. Oh, that too. Yeah. Well, an article that came out yesterday from US Today and was updated or came out on the 7th and was updated yesterday morning for us. So the 8th was from Tiffany Red. She's a songwriter and she's been friends with Cassie. She is showing her support for her as well. And I'll read that to you guys. So Tiffany is credited as a writer for Jennifer Hudson's self-titled 2008 album, which won a Grammy for Best R&B Album. Wrote an open letter to him published in Rolling Stone. So she wrote, Dear Sean Combs, I'm stepping forward to recount my experiences as a witness to events detailed in my friend Cassandra Ventura's now settled civil lawsuit against you. I'm breaking my silence, freeing myself from haunting Haunting recollections, standing in solidarity with Cassie, and standing up for myself. I fear for my safety as her suit alludes to me, although not by name. I'm hoping that revealing my identity to the public will afford me some measure of protection. Cassie and I became friends in 2015 while co-writing songs for her album that you never released. We remain close to this very day. I'm one of the friends mentioned in her lawsuit, specifically from the 9th of her 29th birthday, as detailed in the section labeled, Mr. Combs Forces Ms. Ventura into Sex Trafficking. The weight is heavy as I gather my thoughts to articulate these distressing memories, physical reactions, the surge of heat on my face, sweaty palms, racing heart, and the onset of a panic attack serve as stark reminders of the toll it's taking. I am traumatized by you. The burden of vocalizing these experiences should never have been mine or anybody else's. I first met you in person in August of 2015 at a surprise party you threw for Cassie's 29th birthday at a hotel in Los Angeles. I was at her old apartment before the party with friends in the Wilshire Corridor condos right down the street from your home. Rushed by calls from your team about her ETA, we were in a frenzy to get her ready without spoiling the surprise. We all piled into the back of a black car service from her place to the party. We arrived at the area reserved for her party at the hotel, and you popped out singing Happy Birthday. There were many friends, a few famous faces, and cameras recording as we sang. She was definitely surprised. Eventually, we all started to mingle around the room. Up until that point, I had only spoken to you once before on FaceTime with Cassie about songs we were working on together. You approached me and introduced yourself saying, so you're the one writing all these songs about me. I said yes, and you stared back at me and said, that means she's talking to you, huh? I was uncomfortable because it seemed like you were talking about the more turbulent parts of your relationship. We did a song called Loyal that you didn't like. We were writing about her pain. In the first verse of that song, she sings, I don't know what is real. I just know how I feel. And you keep acting like you don't know what you did wrong, trying to get me to chill. Since we ain't been together, I've been on some whatever. She was pushing back in that song. You later came back up to me and said you were playing. I didn't believe you. One of your security cards did something similar. I'd never met him before either. He approached me and said, I heard a lot about you, Tiffany. You both creeped me out and this interaction was super intimidating. It felt like you both wanted me to know that you knew who I was and you didn't like how close I was to her. After being at the party since it started that afternoon, Cassie wanted to go to a karaoke spot called Blind Dragon on Sunset Boulevard with some friends. You were not happy that she was leaving. I remember your people hovering around us trying to discourage Cassie from leaving, but we went anyway. You followed us and arrived a little bit after we did. It was instantly uncomfortable. You pulled Cassie out of the private karaoke room. She put her head down and went with you. I followed to see if she was okay because something was off. When I walked out of the room, you had her backed into a corner in the hallway outside of the door and your security surrounded you two as you cursed her out with your hands in her face. She and I briefly made eye contact. I felt helpless. 
She looked afraid and kept looking down at the floor. I didn't know what to do. I was scared. Karaoke was cut short because you wanted her to leave with you. Cassie asked me and two other friends if we'd meet her back at her place and stay the night. She was stopping by her house first to grab a bag and then going with you. I said yes because I was worried you would hurt her. Prior to this incident, she had confided in me that you were physically abusive and the way you were in her face that night was alarming to me. I didn't want to leave her alone. When we got back to her house, she was saying to us that she didn't want to go with you, but you were already on your way to pick her up. One of our friends was packing an overnight bag for her. I'll never forget it. It was the biggest Birkin bag I had ever seen. It was blue. I kept asking why they were packing her stuff if she clearly said she didn't want to go with you. And this person says, she always goes. You arrived at the door and whisked her away. Cassie looked uneasy. I didn't know where you were taking her. Once you left, the person who packed the bag said, they'll be back. Watch. It was almost like they had seen this movie before. A few hours later, I woke up by you screaming, emotional singing, bitch, where are you? You and Cassie were back. It was around 3 or 4 a.m. When I walked out of her bedroom where I was asleep, you yelled, emotional singing, bitch, there you are. I was mortified, humiliated, and scared when I realized you were talking to me. You were visibly intoxicated, and so was Cassie. She appeared sedated and very withdrawn. It was the first time I had saw her this way. You started screaming at us, tell your girl she wants some birthday dick. I flew all the way from Miami. She's gone get this birthday dick. You were visibly angry and that she didn't want that from you. I was terrified. I said, she doesn't have to have sex with you if she doesn't want to. And you just kept screaming, she's gonna get this dick. All I think about was how before you came to get her and she was sober, she kept telling us she didn't want to go with you. Your abuse of power has inflicted ongoing harm on countless individuals, including myself, my friends, and my peers. You left her place in chaos on a golf cart and drove off into the night. We watched you from her balcony driving towards your house. I thought you were going to get pulled over and go to jail or crash from being so high. It was like a real life scary movie. I was terrified for Cassie and completely traumatized. Later, she told me that you made her have a freak off, which Cassie described in her lawsuit as an arrangement where you would make her perform sexual acts with male sex workers that night. That was his thing. He would hire these male sex workers and they would go to these bougie hotels and meet them there. The reason you called me emotional singing bitch was because you were listening to the new songs we wrote during the freak off that had begun after you came to get her earlier that night. I'm disturbed to my core by this. It makes me think it must have been songs Cassie hadn't recorded yet that were still demos. I can't begin to explain how it makes me feel thinking about my voice playing in the background of that nightmare. Throughout my time knowing Cassie, I've seen many concerning instances. There were occasions when I heard you yelling at her and making threats, observed her so high I was afraid of her overdosing at a party you threw for her in Malibu, and witnessed both of you getting IVs after a different night of partying. Additionally, when I was a part of her management team in 2019, a year after she was able to leave you, I saw you try to silence her by attempting to tie a non-disparagement clause to her record deal termination agreement, which felt unjust. With Cassie bravely sharing her story, I'm finally free to share mine. That night of her birthday and so many others are burned into my brain and have tormented me since. I feel compelled to show up for Cassie and myself and confirm that everything she described in her complaint about what had happened that night is consistent with what I experienced. Cassie and I became close while writing songs together nearly a decade ago. One of our friends used to call us Tiffandra. Never could I have imagined that this is how it would turn out. The music I helped create for her suffered due to these events, compounding the trauma. It's devastating. I still mourn that time in my songwriting career. 
The power imbalance makes it nearly impossible to fight back and terrifying to speak up. But despite that, here I am standing beside my friend. I continue to work through the PTSD, paranoia, and anxiety from these events. It's one of the catalysts for my advocacy for music creatives today with my organization, The 100 Percenters. Your abuse of power has inflicted ongoing harm on a countless individuals, including myself, my friends, and my peers. You're a literal pillar in Black music. So many of us looked up to you. This moment hurts for us, too, and no one deserves to endure all of this, Puff. It's not right. You're hurting the very Black and brown people who say you love and support. It pains me to write this letter to you as a Black woman, but when will this cycle of abuse stop? It has to stop. Recent events, such as the unveiling of accusations against numerous former record label CEOs and artists for sexual assault due to the Adult Survivors Act in New York, underscore the gravity of the situation. The systematic issue of rape culture and misogyny deeply entrenches in the music industry pose a real threat to so many people's safety every day in the business. How can we expect meaningful change when senior leadership and superstars face accusations of these crimes? And then that's like what I read earlier, but wraps up with the power imbalance makes it nearly impossible to fight back and terrifying to speak up. But despite that, here I am standing besides my friend. There are moments in life when some of us have to face the hard choices of speaking the truth to power or not. This is one of those moments. Damn, what a boss ass bitch. What a boss ass bitch. And you know, honestly, with his current reputation, that's really just like really ballsy because people who have spoken up against him, like there's an alleged murder. I mean, like literally right now he is under investigation for his part in Tupac's murder. Yep. Just like thinking about the shit that this poor woman went through and she was in a relationship with him. For a decade. Ugh. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking the whole time is it would be interesting to get JLo's perspective because she herself is such a huge star. Like, I know, like, a lot of people are going to be like, Cassie's pretty big, but, like, a lot of people are going to be like, Cassie who? Mm-hmm. But, like, JLo, like, who doesn't the, f- like, everybody knows fucking JLo, whether you know her music or you just know her because she's JLo. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to hear from her on this. And if he was like a different person with her, I think that, and this is just a theory I have, a lot of people who are these like serial type abusers, they date big people like that, like big names that get out there. And it's almost like gives them credibility. You know what it makes me think of? It's like Macaulay Culkin and his relationship with Michael Jackson, how people were being like, well, he wasn't abused. So everybody else is lying. Right. I agree. I think it's the same wavelength for sure. I think it's very brave of all of those women who are speaking. Mm-hmm. because it is dangerous so. it is dangerous to do so but they deserve to get fucking justice because this is vile i was very very triggered by reading the whole all the court documents for sure so that's why i didn't end up covering it in depth but it's fine that makes sense but i do want to provide some resources if you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence there is the national domestic violence hotline the hotline.org this allows you to speak confidentially with trained advocates online or by phone which they recommend for those who think their online activity is being, sorry guys, I'm losing my voice, is being monitored by their abuser. And that phone number is 800-799-7233. And they can help survivors develop a plan to achieve safety for themselves and also their children. There's another one as well that was included in one of these articles. And I hadn't heard of this one, so I wanted to mention it too. It's Safe Horizons Hotline. They're safehorizon.org. They offer crisis counseling, safety planning, and assistance finding shelter. And their number is 800-621-HOPE or 4673. And they 
also have a chat feature, which you can reach out to help for them confidentially through a computer or your phone. So I wanted to share those as well. But that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for today. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. And again, if you guys want to talk about that cult next year, just fucking tell (laughs) us in the Facebook group because I kind of want to go look. (laughs) But with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off and we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Toodles. Toodles.